Hello and welcome to the 2022 Formula E season preview podcast. Uh, last year's show went down so well that we thought we'd just cut and paste and invite the same guest back again. So I'm delighted that we can welcome back Mercedes EQ's Gary Paffett. Uh, he's one year wiser, although probably the same doesn't apply to me. Your host, Andrew Vanderberg, and our Formula E writer, Sam Smith, uh, who are probably a little bit more haggard and embittered. But we won't dwell on that. In fact, we're going to try and dust off our crystal ball and see if we can predict what's going to happen in the famously unpredictable Formula E series and who's going to be making the headlines and why. So, Gary, it's great to have you back, but um, things are a little bit different for you in terms of your role at the team than when we had you this time last year. Uh, yes, yes, as you say, one year wiser, but um, one year a bit more, uh, a bit greyer, I think, as well. After last season was was definitely not the uh, the calmest and um, yeah, most most easy easy season I've ever had. So um, yeah, my, I mean, my role has developed over the last couple of years from from race driver in season five to uh, advisor, then senior advisor. Um, strategist, you know that that sort of things. Reserve driver, many many different guises over the last couple of years. But um, this this year, finally, I've got actually an, an official role with a with an actual um, with an actual actual name, which is which is team manager. So fair bit of responsibility. But I think that um, for for me, it was just a natural fit. You know, we have had some changes in the team um, with obviously the the whole um, operational side of things moving from from Germany now over to the UK. So everything is now based at Brackley. So um, in that changeover, obviously, there was a bit of a change of personnel. And the the role of team manager was, uh, was was up for grabs, as you say. So um, yeah, I, I've taken on that responsibility, um, which is which is fantastic. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And um, yeah, it, it's hopefully going to put us in a good position to uh, defend the two world championships this year. Now that's a job title that most people will be familiar with, but in a Formula E context, what does that mean on a on a day to day basis? Yeah, I think that um, Formula E is so so uh, different to any other championship because we have so few staff at the track. You know, I think everybody has to be able to multitask, able to put many different hats on, able to muck in and help out wherever possible. So, um, you know, there had to be an official team manager, which which is which is my role. Um, I'm perhaps not doing all of the kind of admin and, and other stuff, you know, the boring stuff that most team managers do, but um, we've got a great team of people um, at Mercedes uh, Mercedes EQ to just share the workload really. And as I say, just, just pick up where, where, where needed. Um, so, you know, I, I'm still doing the stuff I was doing before. So I'm still doing some simulator driving uh, in Brackley, developing the simulator oh, okay. and, and some stuff with the car. So I'm still doing that side of things. Um, I'm still, doing my my senior advisor role which actually involved doing a lot of work with the engineers and the drivers um with the with the um strategy team as well still doing a lot very much involved with doing strategy so i haven't stopped doing any of that um i've just added uh, more work in the in the side of um logistics and and uh working with the fia more on the sporting side of things really and the technical side so you know, I'm doing a lot more, um, like I say, communication with the stewards um, with regards to technical and sporting matters. Um, and, and it'll be my responsibility, you know, in that team manager role to deal with the stewards and the race director, you know, during races, before, after races, things like that. So it's um, it's an exciting role um, and say adds on to a lot of the stuff I was doing before already. The DTM experience has come back to aging. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure you're being paid twice as well for doing two roles. Oh, absolutely not. But, you know, that's the way it is. And that's motorsport, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, no one gets overpaid apart from drivers sometimes. I was there once at that, you know, very, very well paid driver bit, you know, but that's gone now. Never mind. Yeah, you can see that in the rear view mirror. <laughs> uh, now, Sam, that's not the only change, of course, of, of many at Mercedes EQ. There's also a new uh, test driver and you had a chat with Jake Hughes a few days ago. How's he settling into his new role within the team? Yeah, very well. It's a new role. But of course, Jake has been part of that team for for probably 18 months at, at the least I think now um I, you know if, if Stoffel or Nick fell over in the shower stood their toe or whatever then yeah, he'd be he'd be in that seat so it's um it's a it's an important role and I think that that sort of uh, strength in depth for the what you call the second line of attack 
for some of the top teams, I think is really interesting because for sure Mercedes and Jaguar and Jaguar announced Norman Nato and um, Tom Dillman in, in test and simulator roles and reserve roles earlier this week. You know, I think that that's a, that's a pretty strong driver lineup on his own. Well, that's 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 what I said in my article. You know, I think there'd be there'd be teams uh, there'd be teams in Formula E be pretty happy with that sort of lineup as as race drivers. But you know that I think that without doubt, head and shoulders are strongest on the grid in terms of the second line of attack. As I said with with Jay Hughes, and obviously Gary's doing still some some active practical work as well as his team manager duties. Jaguar. Again, I think I've got two assured professionals there. So I think that's quite telling in getting that sort of really strong squad in place because Formula E is, we've said this so many times, Formula E is all about preparation. You know, you've got one day to, to get it right. And if you've got a double header, that's a, it's a massive task. So the more people you've got working both back at base and in in the back office let's say the better um so yeah i think i think jake is a is a good fit there he's also announced a formula two program so he's had a very uh good start to the year um and i and i see that mercedes eq further strengthening so um yeah they're they're, going to be uh they're going to have that target on their backs again aren't they this year yeah, Gary, as you know only too well from your racing career, winning titles is hard, defending them is even harder. So what's the sort of state of mind at the team at the moment? Are they in a good place right now? Yeah, I think so. I think we're all aware, though, that uh, Formula E is, is, is massively challenging. It doesn't matter whether you're a former champion, uh, whether you're half, you know, 50 points in the lead midway through the season or something. You know, it's it's so hard to know. It's so unpredictable. I think this year with some of the changes to the to the format especially the qualifying format should make things um a bit a bit less inconsistent but um certainly last year we felt like um even with all of our preparation you know for for formula e, as sam said it's all about preparation i think in our team in mercedes eq we focus so much on it and we feel like that's one of our strengths is the amount of detail we go in when we go into our preparation work and um you know we, we're going to continue to do the same things we did last year because we felt like we dropped the ball quite a lot during the season and and made some mistakes um, that really compromised our season. So to come out champions was was great. I think we did a good enough job to deserve it, but we could have done a better job than last year. So we um, have gone over that over the winter, um, not made any big changes. Just again, just try to make sure we don't make the mistakes that we made last year, improve things here and there and just do um, the, the same focus job that we did last season. Sam, obviously, this is the last season for this as the Mercedes EQ team, but this is a team that's going to want to go up on a high, isn't it? And rather than one that will just sort of fade out of the series. Oh, yeah, very, very much the former. I mean, they want to leave Formula E as a manufacturer uh, doubling up on their, on their title success, that's for sure. And I think it's it's quite ominous for the opposition, what Gary said there, that they realise some of the some of the things that could have gone better last year and, and making sure they go uh, go their way in 2022 you know Daimler came came in for quite a lot of flack I guess or 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 rather perplexed flack in many quarters and when they decided to um to to leave Formula E and and I think in several senses that that was quite right when you consider that they've consistently said where they're going with their automotive strategies but you know that's that's been that's been um that's been written about and spoken about quite a bit I think that aside Mercedes EQ have clearly made a big success of this project with with both both titles in 2021 um or let's say three seasons with HWA of course in in 18 and 19 but in only their second season they have proved to be the, the benchmark you'd have to say so so going out by defending those titles it'll be the ideal riposte to, to some of the, the criticism of, of leaving Formula E this summer. But of course, the undercurrent is going to be as well what the team is going to do for 2023 onwards. I mean, that's going to be one of the juicy topics that, that we're going to be looking at in coming in, in coming weeks. Will, will it continue? If it does so, who will it be with? Who's going to be their tech provider? Uh, and, and who's going to be paying for it? That's all part of the elements of hopefully seeing this uh, this great team continue. And, and again, there's the, the drivers as well. We've seen Stoffel and Nick bit testing IndyCars in the off-season. And uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that goes 
later this year once the the 22 season is done with so yeah all all very interesting topics and I, and I think ultimately although Ian James and uh, will be saying that it's all about this season there is that sort of um that that sort of side story which will which will come uh, get warmer and warmer I think as the as, as the first few races go on great well now let's get into the the meat of uh this season preview and a warning if you're not a fan of uh, tortured football analogies you may want to just sort of turn off here and join us for the next <laughs> one because uh we've got this new qualifying <laughs> format and it's yeah, it's based on a sort of football tournament thing and we're going to strangle this analogy for all it's worth so um we've already seen slight tweaks to the race format sam with the addition of some extra time um but let's uh see how the game of two halves that will be qualifying uh, works out. And do you think we'll, it will lead to penalties, Gary? <laughs> it lead to penalties? You know, well, yeah, it probably will do. It. But, you know, there, there's Formula E, no matter how well we've planned, throws up its surprises as, as, as we see throughout the years. But the um, the, the format is uh, from on, on paper and, and, and the practice that we've done and the simulations that we've done is, is a big leap forward from what we've had before. I think the... The, the top teams especially, um, you know, so frustrated last season with um, how the qualifying worked because in the early seasons of Formula E, um, the qualifying format worked because there is really only a handful of drivers and, and cars that could produce a performance good enough to be at the front. So they never ended up too far back down the grid where as last season, there were so many competitive cars that our guys that are fighting for a championship would qualify, you know, outside the top 20 sometimes. And, trying to come back in a race from that position um, is just frustrating. And you lose that that title battle sometimes because it's all happening in the midfield. So for us, um, it makes things a bit a bit simpler. I think we'll see a good fight at the front of the field every race from from championship contenders. There will obviously be races where, where other cars aren't fighting for championship but are, put a good performance in and end up at the front. So, um, you know, in theory, it should be a it should be a much uh, better fight towards the top of the championship, which is going to be uh, interesting and hopefully something that's going to, going to be more positive for the, for the championship. Sam, I think it's absolutely clear that the big teams, the successful drivers are going to be able to run more competitively at the front, but does the way that the format works now give rise to any chance of giant killings or the days of seeing Neos and uh, Dragon and people like that running at the front over? I think there'll be there's going to be plenty of banana skins. Um, I think people will be more sick as a parrot than over the moon. VDB, that's for sure. But um, I think I think honestly, it, it's there will be more, a more what I'd call a reliable hierarchical structure. I think during the season, with a more defined top ten, let's say, I'd be majorly surprised if we head to Seoul in August with twelve title protagonists like we did last season. That that's just not going to happen this this year. I think. We'll see probably slightly less race winners overall. I still think there'll be multiple winners, but there won't be eleven from fifteen races which we had last season. I'd say, I'd say seven, eight, maybe maybe nine at a push will win races this season. I think that's that's great and healthy. Um, or you know, it could quite easily go the other way. We could have a you know one team winning five, six, seven races. Who knows? But I I tend to think that. Actually, over the course of the season, we'll see multiple winners from those 16 races. This will give much more structured narrative for, for us, and I think for actually everybody. Don't forget the viewers at home and, and the, the new fans coming to Formula E. I think you need that ultimate um, narrative throughout a season of, of, of fights and battles going on and, and new and existing rivalries forming and brewing. Um, as far as giant killers go, I think I think it's still possible. I think it will still happen. Um, I, I think some podiums will occasionally be up for grabs for, for what I'd call the midfielders, let's say. There'll still be the element of surprise in terms of errors playing out, which in Formula E are, to a penny really aren't they because of the intensity of the race day which we both I and Gary mentioned and and also just the fact the nature of Formula E racing on predominantly street circuits and temporary street circuits at that you know the the mistakes come to the fore I I don't think there was one driver last season who didn't make at least one big mistake and, and lost a bunch of points really so it's with all that in the mix. Yes, there still will be surprises. There'll be fewer of them, um, but actually, in the context of Formula E and other series, I think it's still 
it's still a very healthy sporting prospect. Just on, on, on one thing on my thought of that, the the um, you know there, there'll be a lot said about the fact that uh, the 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 midfield runners or, or or the guys that are normally towards the back of the field won't get the chance to qualify further up. It to me it doesn't it it there's no negative from that side of things because everybody knew and, and everybody communicated that they were only that far up because they were in group three, group four, whatever. So they never really got any praise for being that far up the grid. It was just, uh, they're lucky because they're in this group. And how many races did they actually manage to hold on to a point scoring position? And, and actually, even during the races, it was always negative because they were always just going backwards. So any result they get this year will, will be you know purely on merit and, and, and will feel a lot better about it and I think the communication around them cars will be a lot more positive than it was last season so I think that um yes they might not qualify quite as high up the grid but whatever they do will be genuine and I think as well Gary I don't know if you agree I think the purity of the racing will be better because you're going to have more 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 parity in 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 speed and and handling and and the job that people have done over the course of the weekend because you know as as entertaining as it could be for uh, neutrals last season um I, i'm going to i'm going to choose dragon you know because dragon quite often were the the cork in the bottle and you can't really blame the drivers that much but at the same time it was kind of a pointless exercise hanging on to 7th 8th ninth places when you know they were considerably slower and and weren't as good in energy management as the others so i think you'll get that 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 sort of purer racing i think during this season yeah you will as you say I sorry I don't I don't think you will as you say there will be multiple winners I don't see even look at the performances last year there was never one of the top teams that dominated all the time you know it was it was there were still inconsistencies in performance between the top four or five teams so I think that um, there will still be a fairly varied battle and, and varied race podium basically throughout the season I think that brings us nicely to sort of analysing the hopes of those two that what we might term as relegation fodder. Um, Gary, uh, Sam is our dedicated Dragon Racing correspondent, so we'll leave them to him. But it seems a very long time ago that the team that Neo once was when it was Team China was fighting for race wins and championships. They've been almost perennial back markers since then. Is there any reason to believe that they might be more competitive? I mean, it's, it's going to be... A challenge formerly is a, is a challenge you know and, and speaking to tom blonquist last year who, who i know very well you know he he said especially in qualifying um the, the car was was difficult to drive especially on the brakes and that's the the biggest thing with formula e is trying to get the uh, the systems working for you and the braking to try and maximize that performance and in qualifying you're really pushing them systems to the limit so i feel like they've got some work to improve the system side of things which is um is is a lot of development to be honest but they they could have got there um you know absolutely so if they've made some progress on that we can see their qualifying performance certainly improve um i think the power from the power unit you, we had a couple of a couple of sessions where they look pretty quick so i think the the power unit everybody's limited to the same power in qualifying so the power unit should be fine performance wise so you know they could make a step up in qualifying and, and and get closer into further into the midfield. The biggest difficulty for them is the race is is efficiency. You know the power unit clearly isn't as efficient as others. Um, we're in a homologation freeze. You know for the, for the last this is the second year of that, so they haven't really been able to make any any hardware changes to the powertrain. So I think they're still going to struggle with that race management and and the efficiency in the races. So I think that. Even if they manage to start qualifying a bit further up, they still will struggle um, and fall more towards the, the rear of the field um, during the race, unfortunately. Sam, Dragon made the highest profile driver sign of the season, bringing um, ex-Formula One racer Antonio Giovinazzi into the fold. Uh, how do you uh, rate the chances of your uh, favourite team on the grid? Well, I think I think similarly to to Neo, I think they they get, they're up against a a real challenge. I think it's going to be another long season for Dragon, and I, and I think they probably know that. I just don't see how they're going to get out of the bottom two, which they've been anchored to for several seasons now, especially with the new regulations, um, qualifying regulations. I think you know they they've proven with especially with Sergio Sete Camera, who was excellent on occasion last year, that they've got some. Great one lap pace, but in the race, it's a, it, you know, it's a totally different story. Um, 
they're certainly not going to be regular point scorers. I think if they get points, it's a bonus this season and, and the same probably for Neo. Um, the possibilities of upsetting the others the way that they occasionally did last season, mainly through circumstance, will, will be very difficult. If they had a, I think if they had a really stable engineering base and, and workforce, then I'd say, yep, they stood a chance and, and they could, you know, they could really create some shocks this season but they haven't been able to do that in recent uh, seasons I mean they've had multiple uh, personnel changes in the off season uh, so they'll be starting afresh in context that they always do you know it's, a, it's it's partly a new team there's new engineers in there's new structures there's new this and that so they're kind of one step forward a few step backs a few steps back so I think it's it's going to be a tall order for them to get to get points this season, and, and Giovinazzi is going to have a, you know, he's going to have a really tough baptism to to form Neri. I mean, if he can hang on in there, then then fair play to him. But it's um, it's going to be a tough one, that's for sure. I think the biggest story is going to be what Dragon are going to do in twenty three at the start of Gen three, and what shape that team might be. Then I think that's going to be uh, very interesting to see what happens there. I think it's fair to say that of the remaining teams, it wouldn't be a surprise if one or all of them were race winners. But for the sake of argument of how we're breaking these down, the next batch, I guess we would call the sort of mid-table outfits. And there's some quite interesting names that we've got here, Gary. Nissan Edams, Mahindra and Porsche. You know, all uh, big teams with lots of resources and quality drivers. But do you... Do you see that do you see those as being the sort of not quite at the front running end of things i think they're all capable of, of winning races it's um some of them some of their performance over the last couple of seasons has been um interesting uh you know nissan um have struggled recently uh, they used to be incredibly quick especially in qualifying um but now um with their with their new power unit they don't seem to be able to challenge uh up the front in qualifying as much um, their race performance is always quite strong, um, but you know I think they've got a chance. They, they, they can be there and they can win races. Um, they could also fight for a championship if they manage to to get everything together. So, you know, they need to make a step up from last season if they want to fight at the at the front. But I think I think they're able to as a team. Um, they've shown they can do it in the past. I would say, um, um, yeah, who else are we talking? So Porsche, Porsche have been uh, a bit of a surprise, I would say. You know, we expected them to do probably a similar thing to what to what Mercedes to what we've done because you know they've put massive investment into the project um you know they've spared no expense basically and they haven't quite lived up to the hype I would say so far you know okay they've had some good performances they had you know a race race win taken away from them in in Mexico which was was unfortunate for them because they deserved that win to be honest um so again if they get everything together I think they could also fight they could also fight at the front um and they could win a race but for me, you know, over the last the last season, especially, they're just too inconsistent at the moment. So I think definitely front end of the midfield. Um, if they manage to really improve the consistency, they could they could work their way towards the the, the, the top three teams maybe. Mahindra were the other ones. If you've got anything you want to say about them, yeah, Mahindra have been uh, you know kind of front end of the midfield for a long time. I would say you know they've um, they've. They've never really made a step towards being, I would say, championship challengers uh, from a team or driver point of view. Um, again, they've got uh, they've got a good team. They've got a a good, really experienced driver lineup. So they uh, they have no no reason not to be fighting for for race wins and, and championships. And we saw um, last year they're able to win races on 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 merit. But um, again, I I don't see them having the uh, the consistency to really mount a, a championship challenge so again another team that could that could win a race that, that can fight at the front um but i don't see them doing it week in week out sam we've seen that porsche have reaffirmed their uh at least imminent commitment to the championship by having a new safety car look pretty cool the uh the take on there and uh it's funky new livery they unveiled the other day um but do you how do you read that midfield group do you see it a similar way to gary yeah, similar. Uh, you know, I I think race wins are going to be more at a premium for these teams this this season. I think they're going to be harder to get. I think Mahindra have had some changes in the off season, notably 
Oliver Olin coming in, of course, on their day, very dangerous team, capable of podiums, and, and as Gary said, wins. They proved that last season. So that, that you know they they could easily mount a challenge for for a race win or two. Um, Nissan, yeah, I mean that's they they had a disastrous season last season. Um, they finished uh, third bottom from the table. They have to do a lot of work, and they've got a lot of work to do. They, I thought they would. They Sam, really... sorry to, to interrupt. How, how much do you think the downfall of that team is it coincided with the with the passing of Jean Paul Um, I mean, definitely has an effect. Somebody that influential as as Jean Paul was, the founding father of the team, their their spiritual, practical leader. I mean, yeah. I mean that that doesn't you don't overcome those kinds of, of losses quickly. Um, having said that, they do, you know, they did and they still do have a really good, strong engineering um, team there under under Vincent Gaillard, who's one of the, you know, certainly one of the most creative and um, far-sighted engineers in the paddock. So, Yeah, because that's what I don't understand is that, you know, all the ingredients seem to be very similar to what they had when they were the, the best, team on the grid and easily able to win races now you know Bohemian in particular couldn't even can't buy a result yeah i think it probably stretches back to that season five doesn't it when the the innovative dual mgu power unit was effectively banned for the following season and they had to go away and come up with a new uh, a completely new design um, or certainly most part of a new design to make it a sim- single mgu um, that was delayed last year. There was a delay. They they didn't do as much testing as they could. There was the supply chain issues with the the pandemic. All these things are factored in for sure. You know, Sebastian Buemi didn't uh, just didn't get results last season. I had a good chat with him in Valencia, and and he explained the several reasons for that. You know, he he wouldn't go into using excuses because uh, so Sebastian doesn't you know doesn't deal in excuses. But uh, you know, I just got the feeling that. It just went away from he and the team pretty early on when they they realised that they had some some issues with the powertrain and and I think they're still fixing them they're still finding their feet and you know momentum is everything in Formula E if you if you become on the back foot then you suffer so they've got to address those but even in Valencia you could sense that you know that when you look at the data they were a long way from the from the pace and yes it's Valencia but still it is a an energy sensitive lap there and you just got the feeling that they just weren't in the same ballpark as the um as the top teams there so they, there is work to do definitely and, and Buemi and new boy Max Gunter have got a lot to do Porsche is an interesting one so many unknowns there and, and you know we've put them in this midfield bracket which feels wrong just saying that but actually you know I think you could easily put them in potential race winning bracket because I think if anyone is going to make um, a step forward it's probably going to be Porsche and don't forget you know we spoke about this in the last episode didn't we with Robin Frines that we're in the fourth season of the iteration of this rule set and the 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 the, the, the things that you find are so small you know those those incre- big incremental steps are, are gone you know it's now just fine-tuning and honing little bits of software and, and, and other things on the car. I actually you think they would have sorted out the uh, administrative errors they might have suffered from before. Let, let's hope the, the I's are dotted and the T's across this season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think I don't think that will happen again, let's put it this way. But you know, qualifying and race pace was there last season. They just didn't seem to execute a lot of the races properly. It's interesting that they've just made a... Well, they've not announced it, but we've run a story that, that Florian Modlinger is, is going to join the team or has joined the team this week he's an ex at an Audi uh, engineer and tech leader someone that, that Gary will certainly know uh, from his DTM days he essentially replaces Pascal Zalinden who uh, left his post last October and I think he's sure to be a major major technical asset to that team so I think things will come together at some point you know the, the big question for me with Porsche is at some point if it if they are mired in midfield and and it is looking difficult to get that first victory, how soon do they completely concentrate on the Gen 3 uh, car for next year? And how do they really push forward for that? That's, that's going to be a question which I think is going to have to be uh, asked. Of course, they're working on it already and have been for a while, but, but, you know, do they just completely focus on that if things aren't going well this season? So uh, I'd say out of the three in that that midfield, Porsche probably, could, I, I've just got a feeling they'll probably have a stronger season than the other two. 
Okay, well, let's move on to uh, what we could probably consider to be the Champions League uh, chasing teams. Um, I think all of these ones in here we would consider to be strong um, challenges for race wins. And if they could, one of their drivers gets a run going together, could challenge for the championship. So in here, Gary, we've got Envision, Venturi, Avalanche, Andretti and DS to Cheetah. Um, that sound about right to you? Yeah, I think so. I think the, um, you know, threw, threw them in there, um, Envision, um, you know, to Cheetah. Um, and, and I mean, well, them two really have been, I mean, okay, Andretti was, was BMW. They were a front runner. Um, so I think them three are ones that even last past few seasons, you would say were, were front runners, were able to fight for the championship. Um, Venturi is the new one, you know, they've gone from a team that, that really was midfield, you know, and, and when we joined, um, ranks with them as, as, as a, you know, as our customer, um, they, they still were struggling with a lot of things. Uh, but last season they came on leaps and bounds really. And, and were running at the front, you know, winning races and, um, really fighting for a championship. I mean, Edo Mortara was, was, you know, in contention and probably could have won the championship if he hadn't had the start line crash in Berlin at the last race. So they, um, have definitely, you know, propelled themselves a long way up the grid and are now, um, yeah, in that group of four teams that if they, if they manage to get things together, um, could, could certainly mount a championship challenge. I think, uh, Tachita definitely will be, I think they, they will be disappointed with their performance last year. And if they continue to struggle in, in season eight with the same things they had in season seven, which was, was mainly, I would say tire degradation and, and struggling with, um, keeping up with the pace during the race, then, uh, then they might, might struggle to really mount a championship challenge. Um, in, in vision, you know, without similar to Avalanche, without the support of the, the manufacturer as much, could they struggle? Um, I don't know. I mean, they've probably worked Envision have worked independently from Audi for a few years, so they probably will uh, manage. Okay. Um, but I think we're, we're yet to see, um, we're yet to see the level of consistency from both them teams that it needs to, to, to really mount a championship challenge. I would say you mentioned Venturi there and that their rise to becoming uh, you know, in the brackets of a potential championship team has been you know, really interesting to watch. Does getting a driver like Lucas Degrassi play be one of those final pieces in that puzzle? You know, this is a guy that you know, is almost the grandfather of the series in many ways, was there at the beginning, helped get the driver's club off the ground, and of course, a former champion too. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a slam dunk, I wouldn't say. I think that Lucas has so much experience in the championship of being there, of winning races, of, of fighting for championships, that from that side of things, he's he's a massive signing. On the other side of things, he's come from a very different environment uh, with a very different way of working to how Venturi and how Mercedes work. So there's a lot to learn. And sometimes when you've been in, in a certain situation for so long to, to change to a new environment, um, can take time and because obviously you have all your own ideas about things, how they work, how they should be. And you go to a car that's different, you know, even though it's a form car, it's still different the way they do things. And, and you have to adapt to fit uh, what you're, you're now driving, what you've now got. And sometimes that's quite difficult. So I think that, um, you know, there's a, a lot of positives uh, in, in Luke, for Lucas Degrassi going to Venturi. But like I say, it's not a slam dunk. There's still, still things that need to be worked out and and it could go very well you know having lucas degrassi and edo motara both in the same team fighting against each other is is that going to work again i don't know we'll have to wait to the races to see how how that relationship builds yeah it's going to be fascinating um sam you've put the uh most successful team of the gen 2 era ds in in with just only the sort of top four finishers what are you thinking yeah, I need to explain myself, don't I? It doesn't sound right, that. But there's method behind the, the madness here. I, it's an intriguing one, and, and it's one that um, since the end of last season has kind of uh, festered a little bit. We, we broke the story about the what we what's got to be called the failed investment in August, where a new investor was going to come in, and, and this was going to be the banker for DS continuing on a long-term, long-term basis with Tachita. But now... That's not going to happen. Um, alternatives have been explored in the short term. Short term, there's been a solution. Uh, and on paper, there should be no effect at all on the team uh, in terms of what happens on the track. But they're undoubtedly 
could be. I mean, we saw it last season. You know, I've I've spoken to people within the team and operationally sound, technically sound, but there was plainly something missing. You know, there was a missing link there, and we saw it particularly in Berlin, um, where they, they they threw a possible title chance away. You know, they were first and second, and, and seemingly breezing that that penultimate round, which would have put them in in a great shape for the the title decider the day after. But it, it fell apart for them. What, why was that? Why did that happen? Yes, there are strategy issues, but you know, I think during the season, just the one word that comes to mind is just uncertainty. You know, uncertainty about the team, the long term future. That's bound to have an effect um, because it's that's just human nature. You know, we're talking about people working in a team here. It's bound to have a detrimental effect to some degree. Um, what DS Tachita has got going for it, as I said, was the brilliant engineering operational team. There, some excellent people within it um two brilliant drivers who've proven that they can win races multiple races and championships 100 percent diesta cheetah will be at the front you know they will be there or thereabouts and 100 percent they will probably they'll, they'll win races I'm, I'm sure and they'll get podiums but a title quest i just think in the context of the things i've just explained and the fact that i believe there are two teams who are clearer favorites let's say I just don't. I just don't think that they're going to add to their to their um, their trophy cabinet this season in terms of title pots and pans. So yeah, a lot of uncertainty in and around the future of that team still and, and DS particularly, which I think you know almost certainly are not going to continue with Cheetah for for Gen Three. I think that's gonna that story um, is 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 going to come out probably quite soon in terms of a, a split happening there and, and DS going elsewhere. So that will leave Tachita with a lot of work to do. You know, if that happens, it may well not. There may be a, there may well be a, a reproach and it, it is all fine. But ultimately, I think that will have an effect. And when you go back to what we were talking about at the top of the show with Mercedes and Jaguar having this really tight, really honed team, not only at the front with their race drivers, but that, that second line of attack and the continuity and the, the, the staffing that they have. I, I just think the Chiefs will, will slip behind a bit this season. When you were going through that list of 100% things that were happening, I thought you were going to say 100% their drivers are going to have a battle on track and start moaning about it over the radio. Well, that goes without saying, doesn't it? I mean, that will happen at some at some stage. It's happened for the last three seasons, so, you know. <laughs> There's odds on that, is that Absolutely. Um, if you've been paying attention, you will realise that there are two teams that are left, and we uh, mentioned them, well, Sam just mentioned them then, and we talked about them at the top of the show, and that is Jaguar and Mercedes. Gary, we'll um, come back to you for your thoughts on uh, some uh, other Mercedes things at the moment, but... Uh, Sam Jaguar, they came agonisingly close last year. Obviously, Sam Bird has won a race in every season of the championship up to date. Is this finally going to be their year? I think they've got a better chance than ever, yes, for the reasons I just touched on, the continuity um, and the fact that they have key momentum from from last season. Both drivers um, have proven that they can w- win races, although Mitch Evans didn't win a race last year. He did, he did all but, didn't he? And we know the reasons for that. We've, we've, re- we've done various features on why he didn't add to his win tally last season. Um, I think certainly Jaguar uh, favourites are clear favourites with Mercedes. I think that those two will be very close over the duration of a season of the season um it could be their year i think it i think a lot of it depends will ultimately depend on um you know what we've what we've always talked about with diesta cheetah is there will ultimately come come races where there may there may have to be a choice or there may have to be orchestration or there may have to be um some tough decisions to be made between the drivers um it ha- kind of happened naturally last year didn't it with either reliability on jaguar's side of things or just plain bad luck or uh, occasional races where mercedes went missing i mean new york was a good example and then the bad luck of course we've talked about with stoffel van dorn in 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 london and uh and in valencia in particular so if 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 we're going to go on this hierarchical nature of racing and and a, and a clearer, more more parity in in how the narrative of the championship is going to go, 
I would say that these two are going to be at the sharp end at the end of the season. Uh, who will take the crown? Well, you know, I think that's going to come down to a bit of a bit of old fashioned uh, uh, luck and circumstance, particularly and um, uh, good old racing, because that ultimately will come down to uh, some some on track battles, either intra team or between the Jaguar and Mercedes drivers. That's that's just the way I see it going this season. So, Gary, pre-season favourites, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's a great position to be in. I think that, um, obviously, there is, there is pressure and expectation after winning uh, the World Championship last year. So, it's, um, it's only natural that people will look at us um, and, and, you know, everyone's going to turn their head towards the Pedexit and see where the, the last garage, um, like we've all done for the previous years, that's who you look at. That's who, the, that's who each team targets. That's who... The FAA look at to target to try and uh, to try and find find faults with you know you you are the target of, of everyone out there basically so there's a lot of uh, expectation that comes with that um, and a lot a lot of pressure that comes with that but from our point of view like I said um, earlier we are just focused on on doing um, the the near perfect job that we can really um, you know trying to make sure that we we cover every single detail in in the preparation for every single race, um, which is what we did last year. And I feel like there's certain certain times when when we've exceeded um, um, our own expectations with things that we've that we've done and how we've prepared. I think you know Valencia, although how chaotic and, and chaotic and the carnage it was um, when everybody ran out of energy, the level of detail that we went into for preparing for that event, we we saw that it could happen and we were prepared for it. And that's that's what you need to do in formery, and that's well, that's how that's what we need to do in formery to make sure we succeed is to prepare for every single thing that can happen, um, and that's what that's what we do. Um, the one thing that we need to do better than than last season is to make sure we don't make the mistakes. I mean, Sam pointed out we went missing in New York, and we absolutely did. Um, you know, we came back from came back from being in Mexico and New York, and it was kind of like, where do we go now? Because we're we're yeah, we're we're not. Well, not lost, but but you know we we need to find a way back to winning um, where we were at the start of the year, and that's what we need to avoid this year is having a a slump at some point. And it wasn't any one thing in particular; it was a combination of small things. So um, you know we got ourselves together, got back on form. But like I say, that is what we need to avoid this year is having that that few races or even one race where you just go missing because you don't have the performance. Um, if we can. If we can make sure we don't do that sort of thing, we we definitely have a chance for to to, to fight for the championship again. We, you know, like I say, it's, it's it, we're in a homologation freeze, and clearly the power unit is is very good. It's exceptional, uh, both in power, delivery, and and efficiency, and and drivability. So we have the equipment that we need. We have two fantastic drivers. Both of them now have a good amount of formal experience. They both work really well together, which. As a team, this is how we work as Mercedes. We, we work as one team. So, um, you know, we call strategy all the time um, and our drivers trust that we're making the right decisions. Um, of course, they're rivals. Of course, they are. But they believe in the, the, the goal of uh, the goal of the team, the team winning. Um, and they did that last year. You know, you saw that last year with the way we were uh, orchestrating things sometimes and the way they work together. You know, they can see if one or the other is quicker than the other and when it's good to to, to fight or overtake or, or, or not defend they, they know they know the deal they know what they need to do now for the past few seasons uh, the championship has been wrapped up in Temperhof, a track that is familiar to everybody you know we've, uh, we've had more races there than any other circuit in formula e this season ends at a brand new track in seoul um Street tracks, even more so than any other tracks, are very different, uh, difficult to uh, to simulate. So, how much of a role could that play in the championship outcome? Yeah, it'll it'll play a big role. You know, the simulation side of things is is huge, absolutely huge. I think every team will spend probably a week before every race in the simulator with their two race drivers, with their reserve type drivers, their test drivers, making sure that they've covered 
everything possible um you know from the simulation side of things it's it's a challenge as you say with uh, all these temporary circuits we go to the ones that we've done before they they always come back pretty much the same you know you go back to new york it's pretty much the same as we've been to before um saudi there's really not a lot of difference apart from they just resurface the track every year it's um you know it's quite predictable but yeah going to a brand new circuit is a challenge because the FIA could get there and where they've proposed to put a curb doesn't work. So they might move it a few meters here and there. And that changes a lot with regards to your, your energy usage. So it's, um, it's all about the preparation, but also about being able to react when you get to the track, when they have changed something and just make the most of it from there on. And, and also the drivers, the drivers getting up to speed on a new circuit as, as quickly as they can. And we've shown that we we can do that. I mean, I'm not saying that we've got a massive advantage over everyone else. You know, we just need to make sure when we do go to a new track, we we, we cover everything possible to make sure that we're prepared for, for any circumstance, basically. Um, but as you say, it's 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 the unknown again. You know, going to Tempelhof for, for the last race is is like DTM used to go to Hockenheim for the last race every year. You, know, you knew what was coming, you knew what to expect. Uh, but now, yeah, going to a new track for the last race, I mean, it was a bit like, again, DTM analogy, when we went to Shanghai in 2010 to finish the championship on a circuit that was pretty rough and ready, you know, that was that was in- incredible and something that just had never happened before. I guarantee there will be an issue with a drain cover as well at some point in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thanks for your insight there, Gary. Now we're going to put everybody on the spot, including myself. So this is the bit we all sort of dread, where we're supposed to predict what's going to happen in a season where we don't have any form from a relative or relevant circuit to gauge it on. Um, But first of all, they're talking about race winners. We've gone through there. So um, who do we think is going to going to win a race? I'm. I think the ones that we put into those Champions League spots and uh, and the last two are obvious. I think that all the drivers, there's probably not enough races for all the drivers who can win to win one. But outside of that, I, I do think Porsche and Verline are going to win a race this season. That's that's my sort of out there uh, tip. Uh, Sam? Yeah, I broadly agree. You know, I think Merck, Jags, uh, DS to Cheetah, Envision, um and venturi so that's what's that 10 i mean they're all not going to win one but you would say it's that not they... possible is it <laughs> let's go for some wild cards hey eh? shall we like like you did i agree on verline i think verline's eminently capable of winning winning a race um you know so so, so is andre lostra let's let's not forget um the elder statesman of former e is is more than capable but you know on the on the basis of last year, you'd say that Verline's probably more likely to do it. I think Jake Dennis is a shout. Um, you know, he proved that he can win races last year, albeit you know there, there was that was to the old format. But still, I think that aside, I think he is more than capable of of, of sneaking a win. Um, I think Nick Nick Castle Nick Cassidy will be the newest winner in Formula Formula E. I think he showed flashes last year. Um, and that if in envision get into position, then he can he can break his duck as well as uh, as Verline this year. Gary, anyone you especially any new drivers you think might break through that haven't won yet? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you've you've both probably gone for the same driver, which is pretty boring, isn't it? Both from Pascal, so you've you've gone for an outside bet of a driver that's already won a race, which is very <laughs> yeah, the driver most successful uh, brand in motorsport. <laughs> it's a, it's just out there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so well done um i i'm, I'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna say that um that oliver Rowland might win a race there we go see i think that he's um yeah he, he's been incredibly quick in in formula e in his time there and uh like I've, i said mahindra have the ability to go and put a performance together to challenge at the front on a, on a, on a weekend at some point so uh i'm gonna i'm gonna tip oliver Rowland to win a race um because um like you said all of these top teams should go on and win races all of these drivers can but outside of the champions league then uh, i'm gonna say there you go barnsley in the champions league final (laughs) (laughs) and you know if if, sorry if he if he wins a race i don't even know i was at the launch of the mahindra season um season do a few months ago and they they've given their cars names and oliver's is roll with it you know 
I mean, it's, you know, it's, and it's, I, but it's, it's, it's something. It's something. And and if he if he wins, I'm pretty sure I'll have to go back on the transcription. I'm pretty sure that he said on the podium that he would do he would do a Liam Gallagher impression and sing "Roll with It." So that's something to uh, I, I ensure to... ensure that you're not around. <laughs> All right, <I'll> kid. <laughs> um, I, I'm not sure what Sam. I'm not sure what you're trying to get out of this next question, Gary. You feel free to abstain. Um, which driver do you think is going to rack up the most penalty points over the course of the season? I don't even know where to start with the answer in, with that one, Sam. So I'm going for uh, Giovinazzi because he's new and probably doesn't really understand how things work and will probably blindly lead himself into the steward's office more often than not. Well, thanks for taking the same driver I was going to choose for you to be. Oh, so. brilliant. I'm a sneaker dude. I'm going to have to go for plan B on this one. Yeah, I, you know, this is... It's, it's not an, an entirely, uh, you know... Um, uh, out there question because Formula E has seen a fair bit of uh, what you call brawny racing let's say and it always seems to come up doesn't it this question of like is it too much and this is the last season of Gen 2 where you've got this design of car that you know can take punishment or tactical contact as some some call it in the championship and inevitably on tight street tracks that is going to come to the fore again um, interestingly last season I'm just Reading off my uh, off off a list here of who got the, the penalty points. Can you guess who topped the the charts, pot pickers on the? Uh... I think I know oh, who yeah. it is. Well, I, I I don't know. I know one driver that got a lot of points, and that was Nick Debris. Well, interestingly, but he may not have been top, but he, he did, did get he did get a few. Um, it's actually Andre Lotterer. Andre got eight penalties. To be honest points. with you, he deserved all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and probably a couple more. <laughs> yeah, actually, Gary, Nick DeVries got two. Got two oh. points. He got yeah. He got really? two at uh, just looking at Rome for some. No, he didn't. Ah, uh, no. You know what? I was sorry. I, I correct yeah, myself. Do you know what I was looking at? Uh, we were looking at towards the end of the season because the penalty points are, are rolling 12 months and he got a lot in uh, Berlin right. in uh, season okay, six. Okay, in a 12 So towards period. the end of the season, yeah, so in the, yeah, exactly. So in the end, towards the end of last season, he was very okay. close to, to getting okay. too many, shall we say. So in second um, place, in yeah. second place, you will never guess in second place, the most unlikely naughty boy on the grid. Kirby? Exactly, yeah. And, Kirby, yeah. And, and, and all six came with his... Rome practice outrage. So, uh, that, oh, that, yeah. Well, in fairness, yeah. he deserves all of those as well. Well, there you go. We got we got four. Um, we've got four SWATs, four school SWATs, teachers, pets, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Antonio Felix da Costa, Jake Dennis, Alexander Sims, and lo and behold, Jean Eric Verne, Mister Clean Racing himself, there on uh, zero points. So there you so go. They're all like Gary Lineker never picking up a booking in his career. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Let, I get it back on that football <laughs> thing. If it kills me. <laughs> yeah. Well, Andre Lotter is very much the granite jacker of the uh, of the Formula E grid. So there you go. Oh, what a clown! <laughs> Sorry, I'm an Arsenal support, so I don't. That's no way to speak of Andre Lotter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, have you submitted your your answer? I was hoping that then? all that deflected from it. So, I'm, <laughs> I'm not. That's what I was going to say. That was a massive deflection. Uh, no well, I was going to choose Giovinazzi on the exactly the same basis as V to B. Um, I'm I'm actually I'm going to go for a, an Andre Lotterer double title. He's going to defend his title. Oh, yeah. I think Andre will get a bit a frustrated point. and and uh, might cream a few more people into the wall. Gary, don't don't feel obliged to okay. uh, have an opinion on this, but if you've got one, I, I, I'm happy. I'm happy to have an opinion. That, you know, I, I drivers drivers can get offended with, by me if they want. <laughs> I don't care. Um, so I there's a few there's a few there's a few I'm looking at here to be honest. So you know, if you go with the whole Giovinazzi thing because he's new, Oliver Askew could be another another one for that, couldn't he? Um, I mean, you know, there's a lot of naughty boys. You know, Lucas Degrassi, Edo Mortara, they could. Yeah, they'd like to ruffle yeah. a few feathers. Um, but I am going to go with, who am I going to go with for the most penalty points? I'm going to go with, um, um, I'm going to go with Dane Sictum. Oh, I think that's a bit of an inspired Sorry, call, actually. 
yeah. No, I can see the logic in it. Yeah, we've not we've not spoken about Dan Tictum at all, have we? I I, I chatted with him in uh, not at all. Okay. Yeah. I chatted to him in um, in Valencia, and he was he was great actually, really good value and really interesting oh, in the value. way I look that, forward to, uh, the, to the pod we do with him at some yeah. point inevitably hopefully hopefully we do and I, I think he, he'll, he'll bring a lot to Formula E and I think he's uh, he's exactly the kind of character that uh, you occasionally need to, to to spice things up I mean he's got he's got a massive task on his hands at, at Neo but initial indications are that he's he's applying himself and you know he'll um, he'll plug away so uh, yeah good luck to him okay well that leads us with the final question of course and that's teams and drivers champion so um no points for originality on any of this and i'm gonna go for a split i think um after i i he was in many ways the best driver of last season i think the bad luck is behind him now so i think stoffel will win the championship but i got a feeling that jaguar might take the team's title so one each sitting on the fence there <laughs> yep very comfortably I, and, and i'm gonna do exactly the same i think uh uh, Gary, Gary just um, hit mute for a second. I'm going to go for Mitch Evans to win the title, and I'm going to go for Mercedes to retain their team's title. So, uh, yeah, dragged it back for you there, Gary. Nice, thanks. So obviously a Mercedes double for you, um, Gary. But which driver? Yes, I, Mercedes EQ to retain their um, their, their manufacturer's title, obviously, and. Um, um, a European a better luck uh, driver. Mercedes driver to win the championship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm honestly, it's it's you 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 know, this is this is this is so even I'm I'm in the team and I could not pick a driver out of the two that's going to be better than the other. It, it's impossible to know. They they both are experienced now. They both are very quick. They both have everything we need. They both make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. So honestly. Um, I w- I wouldn't be able to pick one out of the two. Well, we'll we'll allow Impossible. we'll allow you to uh, to maintain the middle ground there. I think that's absolutely acceptable. Um, and I think in my role as team manager, I absolutely have. Yeah, to. it could have been an awkward uh, <laughs> first meeting in reality, couldn't it? So, boss, you think he's going to win it? <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be a Formula E podcast. I would like the return of Sam's calendar update. So, um, but actually, we're looking forward, Sam. I believe you've got some news. Yes, indeed. Um, there's going to be uh, well, there's a there's a really good possibility of Formula heading to the subcontinent to India uh, next winter, about this time last year at Hyderabad, uh, which is a city sort of in the the middle of the the country um, a circuit. Uh, it's a 2.3 kilometer mile circuit around a, a big man-made lake uh, in the center of Hyderabad. Um, looks like it could happen. Uh, there has been a letter of intent and there was a press conference last week which uh, showcased a lot of the promotions, uh, promotional people and a lot of the companies and partners involved in that initiative. Uh, Dilbert Gill was there from Mahindra, Alberto Longo, um, track overlay people from Formula E as well. The, the word is that this is a bit more than just a letter of intre- of intent and that it, it is all systems go and that there is a, a high likelihood that it will be on the provisional calendar, which traditionally comes on, uh, it's traditionally announced at the World Motorsport Council around June or July time. So that's interesting. I think they have been trying to look at a, trying to get a race over in India for, for years and years. I mean, probably in, in, in your days, uh, it cropped up in various cities, V2B, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, it's, it was rumoured on and off. Um, yeah. Obviously, if you've been to India, Gary, you must have been to India at some point. No, I missed every F1 oh, trip to well. India. You did well. You certainly avoided the, uh, the inevitable. I, I was going to say, unfortunately, <laughs> but I, I, I didn't say that. I think it's fair to say wherever <laughs> they do that track is going to require extensive resurfacing. Yeah, it's, I've actually seen a, a lap of the track, um, and it's um, it reminds me of Norris Ring. It was very, you know, long straights. Let's bring Gary back for that one. Gary, you get get your race over. A a couple of hairpins and, um, you know, a a few sort of 90 lefts, 90 rights. Quite quite a simple track. And, um, yeah, I think think it's uh, it's got real legs, that one. And it would be a great addition to to the calendar if that is confirmed later on this year. Apart from that, uh, other news. Norman Natto, as we touched on, has been named as the official reserve and send driver for... Jaguar TCS Racing, um, which is an interesting one. We uh, we're attending an event. By which time, when this comes out, it will be known that Channel Four are going to cover 
Formula E this season, which is which is terrific. That there's going to be terrestrial coverage happening, um, much needed, and um, everyone will be looking forward to that. Um, we ran a story at the end of last week about the what we believe is the high likelihood of Andretti and Porsche getting together for the first season of Gen Three in twenty twenty three, with Andretti doing a deal to run. Porsche powertrains uh, for that season and the season after, so seasons nine and ten, which is which is going to be very interesting. I expect more and more of those team and uh, manufacturer partnerships to be confirmed um, in the in the weeks after after the opening races in Doria, which is this weekend. So looking forward to that. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, um, Gary. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, best of luck to you and Mercedes EQ for the season ahead. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, Sam, best of luck for you with your travels to uh, to Riyadh, your inevitable uh, Uber disaster, and the lame minibar with uh, alcohol-free Bud Light to uh, <laughs> get you through the uh, the long hours waiting for your PCR test. Thank you very much. So you can catch all the latest news from Riyadh and everything else going on in the world of Formula E on the-race.com. Um, I remind you once again to try and vote for us uh, from the race on the Sports Podcast Awards uh, and check out our other podcasts on F1, Bring Back V10s, IndyCar and MotoGP. So thank you all for listening and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Goodbye.